We are so excited you've decided to listen to this week's sermon podcast. Hey, we release sermon podcasts weekly, so be sure to follow us and hit that notification bell so you can be notified when episodes are released. God bless and enjoy. And uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be all right. Amen. It's going to be all right. My intentions tonight are... Are strange from my normal. I, I like to have a. Uh, uh, I, I like to generally preach back to one specific point, and and it's just kind of how it how it has always been. Uh, I don't I don't feel that tonight. I think we're probably gonna uh, make several points, make a point, and maybe just walk away from it. And one may not necessarily have anything to do with the other. Uh, except for uh, the names, uh, the men that we're going to talk about. And uh, so whatever's good for you, I want you to just draw out of this and the rest of it, somebody beside you or across from you needed it. And uh, it'll, be, uh, it'll be good. And we've got a, a little extensive reading, so I'm just going to ask us to go to the Lord in prayer right now. We're going to read 14 verses. They're fairly short, uh, but even at that, uh, I'm just going to, we're going to be going to 1 Kings 19. We'll read the first 14 chapters. But we're just going to pray. And I'm going to talk to you tonight on this subject. God still has a plan. God still has a plan. It doesn't matter what it looks like from where we're at. God still has a plan. And so we're going to talk about the life or the lives of Elisha and Elijah or Elijah and Elisha. And just and just talk about some things uh, in their life. And so let's just pray together that uh, we'll be ready. And uh, the musicians and singers have done their part. Beautiful. The ground's tilled. I mean, it's we're on go. And uh, so let's just pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy. You're an awesome God. You've never failed us. You've never left us. You've never forsaken us. Just ask you for a special anointing, Lord, with our young people. In the youth classes, Lord, those that are in children's church. And then for a special anointing in this place tonight. Lord, we ask you to touch those that are traveling as well. But tonight in this room, Lord, let us speak your word. Let us hear your word. Let us understand it. And then let us respond to it. And we're going to be quick, even now, to give you the praise and the honor and the glory. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And let's just love him one more time. Let's love him with our voice. Thank you, Jesus. I love you. Thank you for allowing me to be in your presence one more time. You're an awesome God. Powerful to the pulling down of strongholds is your name. Hallelujah. 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 God still has a plan. Amen. You may be seated. Many of us at many times and stages in our life have had plans that did not come to pass, and uh, we thought about things, we believed things, we prepared for things, even prayed about things, even felt like we were doing the right thing at the right time and the right moment, and then when that thing did not happen, we, we start to question. We never question ourselves. You know, of course, we've done it all right. We question why why is it that God did not follow through with what we were praying for and what we believed Him for? And I, I want to just say right now in the very beginning, that, that seems a little harsh. It, it seems like, well, nobody would really, uh, you know, talk to the Lord and, 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 and tell Him that maybe He needs to do a better job. <laughs> You know, uh, and, and maybe, maybe things are even the way the Lord doesn't understand. Sometimes I think people think that the Lord, there's things he doesn't understand. The Bible said he was tempted and tried in all ways. And he knows what we're feeling and what we're dealing with. Yet he remained spotless and sinless. And I want to just read for a little bit about one of our uh, heroes, biblical heroes obviously, but... Uh, all in all together, a historical hero in the life of Elijah. Now, this was uh, an incredible man, and we're going to go to 1 Kings chapter 19. And I'm going to read 14 
verses to you. There's a lot of things I could have skipped around on in here, but I think it's important that we just hear it in the run that it's written. And Ahab told Jezebel, now just let me set this for you. First of all, Ahab is the king. Jezebel is his wife. She does not like Jehovah. She doesn't like the people of Jehovah. She doesn't like their God, uh, who is Jehovah of the Old Testament. And his wife uh, hates prophecy. She hates the men of God. And now the man of God has found himself in the crosshairs with uh, Ahab and more than Ahab who was a little bit of a tender hearted man it seems at time his wife was not and so she would rather uh, kill than come to a peaceful agreement and so here's where we find uh, Elijah at this time he, he had just uh, prayed fire down from heaven he had watched as 850 uh, antichrists were destroyed That'd be the modern day meaning uh, of that Old Testament reading. Those were the prophets of the groves and of Baal. And uh, they had 400 of one, 450 of another. They came together and he and he alone called down fire from heaven, destroyed them. And now he's in a tight place. He, he's in a situation now. So that's the setting. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. And with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword, then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. She said, Let me die if I hadn't killed that prophet by this time tomorrow. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat under a juniper tree. Listen to this mentality. And he requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake bacon on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. And he came thither unto a cave and lodged there. Behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? What are you doing here? And he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. Listen to this now. What are you doing here? And he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. Behold, the Lord passed by in a great and strong wind, rent the mountains, and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire a still small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering end of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? That's the second time he's been asked that question. What thou doest here? What dost thou hear, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Two times the Lord visits this man in an audible voice. He causes wind. He causes an earthquake. He causes a great fire. And then in a still small voice, 
he speaks to him. He asks him two times. He says, I have sent you somewhere. Now, this is only implied because we know the Lord told him to get up and go. And, and he, we find that he, he leaves his, uh, his helper, his assistant, if you will, the guy that travels with him all the time. He, he leaves him and he goes away and he goes alone into this cave and the first time the word of the Lord come to him and says what are you doing here what are you doing here and he begins to tell all the reasons he's here well Lord there's nobody else serving you he says at one time up under the juniper tree he says my life has passed me by it's enough God I'm done I'm out I'm ready take me now he had a spirit come over him that, that wanted to see his life come to an abrupt end at that very moment. And here's why. Because in his mind, all he could see was his little world. With his eyes, all he could see was his little world. In his heart and in his prayers and in his thoughts, all he could see, hear, or understand was his little world. What does his little world tell him? His little world says, I'm alone. And we're talking about Elijah. And he's got a spirit that wants to die come over him because there's nobody to fellowship with. There are no prophets. Nobody's building altars. Nobody's sacrificing. Nobody's doing anything. Lord, it's enough. I'm just done. I'm just tired. I'm ready for this thing to be over. And the Lord sends him down the road and he goes and runs off the path and goes to a cave and he says, what are you doing here? He gives him all those excuses. He comes back a second time after feeding him. He says, you're going to have a big journey. Get ready. What are you doing here? I got a plan for you. I have a purpose for you. Folks, when we feel like we're alone, when we feel like nobody else is listening, nobody else is on the team, nobody's helping you sing, nobody's helping you preach, nobody else is holding down the fort, nobody else is living up to the standards of the Bible, nobody, everybody has collapsed at the feet of modern culture except me. And I'm sick of it and I'm ready to die. I don't know what everybody else is doing, but I can tell you they ain't living right. Elijah had a spirit. You know what was going on? He was battling a spirit of loneliness. He was walking alone. He was carrying on alone. He didn't know who would carry the future. Who, who is it that will carry out all of these things that have been promised to me? Who, who is it that's going to make sure that the lands are unified and the kings are in order and, and everything that was promised to me and everything that I prophesied, who is it that's going to take up the slack when I'm gone? God, I don't see anybody and I have made so many prophetic predictions and utterances that now I feel so foolish I'm all alone and nobody else even believes like me so who's going to carry this thing when I'm gone folks when we feel lonely the Lord has a plan don't let the enemy tell you it would be better for your life to be over don't let the enemy tell you that there's nothing else good for you to do. You may be old and in a spirit of fun. You may feel decrepit and used up and passed over. But there's still somebody that's coming up. God has a plan. This is a man that really, really knows the works of God. Listen to these 14 notable miracles. Someone are, some would argue that there were uh, more than this. And, uh, but I'm going to just share with you the absolute 14 notable biblical miracles that we know Elijah was part of. Are you ready? Watch. He caused that rain to cease for three and a half years. This is one of the things that, that she's so mad at him about. And she wants to kill him. And she said, if he's not dead by tomorrow, I want to be dead. She didn't want to live in the same world with a godly man. So, caused the rain to cease for three and a half years. You find that in 1 Kings 17 and 1. And then while he is uh, running for his life, the Bible says that the ravens brought him food. They, they fed him. They, they ministered to him in, in, in lunch. They ministered to him with dinner. They ministered to him with breakfast. 
Birds delivered to him food ready to eat in 1 Kings 17 and 4. Then the barrel of meal and the cruise of oil that was so incredible with that lady that you find in 1 Kings 17 and 14 that it just continued to multiply. He spoke that under the authority obviously but he was the man of God and the, and the, uh, the voice and the mouthpiece of the Lord so when he spoke it God honored it. The resurrection of the widow's son when, she, when, when she, he went down and uh, said my head my head and then and, and they said carry him to his mother he lay on his mother's lap till noon and died and uh, the prophet came in and said all right nose to nose eye to eye hand to hand so when you get lined up with the word of God there's a resurrection coming Elijah was the embodiment of the word of God. He was the prophet of the day. And so when he got over that boy and got nose to nose and hand to hand and face to face and began to speak to him and the, and the spirit of God began to flow from him because he was in alignment. When we get in alignment with the word of God, life is coming back. Too many people are looking for life when there's not alignment. Watch this. Call down fire from heaven on the altar. We talked about that with those prophets in 1 Kings 18 and 38. Then he causes it to rain at his voice in 18 and 45. The prophecy that Ahab's son, uh, his sons would all be destroyed. This was a, a prophetic word that came to pass that that same king, Ahab's sons, would die. You'll find it in 1 Kings 21 and 22. The prophecy that Jezebel would be eaten by dogs. The last place you read about her alive in the land of the living is as she is falling uh, to the ground and she's losing her life and the Bible tells us in a very graphic words that her body spilled out on the ground and the dog showed up very quickly, wild dogs and began to eat her so this is exactly what he said would happen can you imagine a man that when he speaks it over the last few years you know it's going to happen just because he said it and God had already made him a promise. And so the things that he would say and the things that he would do, it would happen. And so here was the eighth prophecy that Jezebel would be eaten by dogs. The ninth prophecy was that Ahaziah would die of his illness in 2 Kings 1 and 4. It happened just as he called it. He called fire from heaven on 50 soldiers in 2 Kings 1 and 10. He called fire from heaven on the second 50 in 2 Kings 1 and 12. He parted the Jordan uh, river at 2 Kings 2 and 8 there was a prophecy that there would be someone to come from behind him that behind him and, and following his ministry that would have a double portion of his spirit and a double portion of his miracles even in death of this world or even as he left this world it was in a miraculous fashion you find it in 2 Kings 2 and 11 when all of a sudden there was chariots of fire and horses that just scooped down and picked him up he didn't go by way of the grave he went by way of the rapture it was a one-man rapture. But the Bible teaches us that a chariot of fire with horses pulling it uh, descended from heaven and scooped up Elijah. There it was. Those miracles. Fourteen notable miracles. That is incredible. How can a man... With 14 notable miracles, he along with only a couple of other ones in Scripture would not have to go by the way of the grave, but would go by some other incredible way that only God could go. How is it that a person like that can go into a cave and say, there's nobody else loving you, there's nobody else living for you, there's nobody else living the truth, everybody else has kissed the feet of this modern society, and I want out. How can you have... Two minds to be one of miracles every time your mouth opens and another one ready to quit every time a problem comes. That's a spirit of loneliness. Elijah wasn't fellowshipping with anybody else. He wasn't making it to regular church services apparently. 
The prophet was out on his own doing the, the right thing, but he was alone. And sometimes when a spirit of loneliness has come over us, we begin to challenge God because we don't find the group where the miracle's happening. We're not in the hospital or at the funeral home when families come together and restoration and restitution is paid and things happen and, and, and life is set straight. When a husband or a wife comes home or, or a child that's been on the road for 10 or 15 years calls, it, we're not not around people uh, for a while and all we think is it's just what I see is all that's going on folks we got to understand something the plans of eternity are way bigger than you and I The plans of God are way bigger than any plans that I could ever put together, ever that I could imagine. The Bible even tells us so much that that it's, it's above anything that we could ask for or even think. That's the what God can do. That's the things God can do. He does not die. He ascends. He's carried away into heaven into the heavens, let me say, by a chariot of fire through the Spirit of the Lord. What a life. Even let, let me say, uh, leaving this world, what a death. I mean, ever what you call that. Uh, I know it's just uh, uh, ascended and, and, and that was that, but what a life. What a, what a way to, to be in the ministry. What a way to leave the ministry. But there's some things that happen in there that, that, we, that we need to see because when, when God has a plan it doesn't really matter what we think in the dark cave of loneliness doesn't really think, it doesn't really matter what we think when we're under a juniper tree with, with suicidal thoughts in our mind just saying come on God I, I, need, I need to do something it's got to be over now I'm, I'm ready to see this thing come to an end that's, that's a spirit of loneliness. And one of the greatest prophets, arguably the greatest by many, had that same spirit and tendency that some of us have today when we don't see God working the way we think he ought to work. We think he don't have a plan. I want to tell you something. God always has a plan. He's got a plan to back up the backup plan. Watch this. Two times he tells the Lord and his angel that he's alone. I'm the only one. Nobody else is left. I'm the only one that has not bowed a knee. I'm the only one that has not kissed the feet of the gods of this world. Folks, it's still one of the greatest things. I, I've been around people and I, I have to admit and I apologize. Uh, if you make a living out of doing something, if something pays you and pays the bills, it's called a profession. So let me, let me apologize for my profession. I've been around way too many preachers that says nobody believes the truth anymore. Nobody's living it but me. Only our church is doing it right. We're the Folks, I'm going to tell you something. If we ever put God in a box of what we can see, hear, smell, taste, and touch, nobody cares. I'm all by myself. I'm the only one holding truth. Folks, loneliness is a formidable foe. So before he's carried away into the heavens, let's just look to see what is God's plan. What is God's plan for the future? Because if you're not going to be part of it, at least maybe he'll let you know what it's going to be. And in this setting, here's what happens. Go to 1 Kings 19. Read three verses there. So he departed thence and he found Elisha. Remember we were talking about Elijah. This is now Elisha. He found Elisha, the son of Shaphat who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him. 12 yoke of oxen before him. Hold that thought. And he with the 12th. He was the last, the last twosome. And Elijah passed by him, came by him. This prophet who's been complaining, who's been running from this woman and this king, comes by him because the Lord says, I'm going to get you to anoint somebody to pick up where you left off. And he comes by him and the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of the Lord, that day falls on Elijah and he is led by the Spirit to take his prophetic mantle, his prophetic garment and wrap it around Elisha. 
Now just imagine this. He's walking down the road. He's in the mully grubs. It's been a bad day. It's been a bad week. It's been a bad three and a half years. Ever since the rain quit, it's been a bad time for Elijah. And the Lord says, if you'll just get out of here and do what I'm telling you to do, I'll lead you to the right place and you'll get to see my plan before you go. Can you imagine he's walking by this farm and he sees 12 yoke of oxen out here and the dirt's flying, the dust is is carrying on out there and somebody's trying to plow the ground and the spirit moves over him and says, it's that last guy right there. Go drop your prophetic anointing on him. Oh, it's fixing to get good. He's plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him, and he with the 12th. And Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah. Now just imagine he's out there plowing this, this uh, prophetic uh, cloak. Bible here calls it a mantle. This prophetic robe is cast across him. He knows exactly what it is. He, he says, let me, I pray thee, Kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow thee. This is what Elisha tells Elijah, young telling old. Let me go back and kiss mom and daddy, and I'll follow you. And he said unto him, go back again, for what have I done to thee? He's trying to get him to understand. You want to go back to the house, and I just dropped this anointing on you. Whatever that means to you. You want, you want to go back to the house. Look, look what I've done. Don't you realize? And he returned back from him and took a yoke of oxen. Watch this right here. And slew them and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen and gave unto the people and they did eat. Then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. Elijah was at least bothered by the way he cast his future on young Elisha. He cast his garment. He he put his anointing on him. It was as though it was a handoff that was going to be happening into the future. And he's about to become a follower. He's about to, to be right there with Elijah all throughout the remainder of his life. But he said, I got a couple of things I got to do. What? I'm going to go kiss my mom and daddy. Well, you, it's custom. You kiss them when you're going to be gone. If you're going down the road and coming back, it wasn't the culture. When you're going on a long journey or you're going till death and you may not be back, something came over Elisha at that moment. He understood this farm is not my future. <laughs> so much so that while there's still 22 oxen moving across the way, He goes and gets the two. They still got on all of their implements. They still got the plow attached. They're still yoked up to one another. This is exactly what it means when it says he bowled the flesh with the instruments. What does it mean? He took the wooden instruments that was connecting them two oxen together and that's what he built a fire out of. Let me tell you what Elisha had on his mind. It was this right here. When I leave here with this prophet, And when I follow this God, I ain't coming back to this pasture. Come on. Too many times people say, I want to live for God. I want to be one foot in and one foot out. And God's saying, hey, burn the oxen. You're not going to need that anymore. Burn the plow. Burn. Come on. Burn it. You're not going to need it anymore. Once you leave this farm, you won't be back. I want to tell you, as long as you leave your door open, I'm going to tell you something. If you're a person that that deals with unfaithfulness, as long as you save his or her number, you'll always have something to go back to. Burn it. If you've been dressing, I need a little monitor. If you've been dressing in an ungodly fashion and living like the world and acting like the world and you say, while I live for God, I'm going to just tuck this stuff away. There may come a day I want it again. Here's what I want you to know. Hell will remind you of that box every day of your life. If you want to get it right, you burn what you were attached to and you follow the man and the word of God wherever he leads you. 
Well, I'm going to save this bottle. I might need one or two more shots of alcohol when the grandkids come. No, let me tell you something. If you want to get off the bottle, you'll burn it instead of sparing it for later. Hell will always provide you a later if you keep something for it. Woo, right here's how I knew, like I was there. Right here's how I knew Elisha's about to be pretty good. Because he recognizes I'm going to kiss mom and daddy. And in the tools I've been using, I'm going to burn. Here's something I found very, very interesting. And, and it, takes a, it takes a deep dive, I must admit. But it meant something to me, so I'm going to share it with you. Part of the history and culture of, of large farming would be two very extremely important people on the farm. The first one is when the old crop has been plowed under, raked away, carried off the scene, and burned. And it's time to start putting in fresh rows. The first guy, it's extremely important because the reapers are going to come and they want to be able to go and they, they, they want to be able to do things. The sowers are going to follow those that plow and, and then whoever tends to them and, and then the reapers are going to come and, and, the, and the, the owner of the farm and the owner of the land and the croppers and the sharecroppers, they're, they're not looking for something to be all messed up that, that later that, that an ox can't follow or that can't be, it just goes all over everywhere. And so the most important guy the first most important guy in that setting is the guy that makes the first row. He digs hard. He works that team hard. That's their Massey Ferguson or their John Deere or their Case or whatever tractor is your favorite up there. It's up there and every time it starts to get out of line, he's got to straighten it out with a good tug or, or with a paddle board or, or, or a, in a modern day with a hot shot. He said, no, man, you're going to have to get it straight because my master is watching my rows. Second guy, it's not quite as hard. All he's got to do is line his left up to their right. And he follows just behind. He's eating the dust of one plow and two oxen. The second man, there he is. Third guy, all he's got to do is have his left to their right. And so on and so forth, all the way down. The next most important, and arguably in, in historical notes, the most important guy is the guy that can finish. Woo! You don't want a whole bunch of years of truth and straight and right put in and then turn it over to a guy that's going to run way out here somewhere. And I'm going to tell you, woo, I feel something. What the Holy Ghost is telling Elijah right there. Hey, if you're oneness, you believe that's the Holy Ghost. Hey, come on. Come somebody hear me right now. What the Holy Ghost was saying to Elijah at that moment is there's a guy right there and I'm watching his rose. And he's a guy, if you pass it off to him, he's going to keep it straight. He's a man that fundamentally understands last place. Sometimes the Lord will pick people. You know, it seemed to me, I even preached it one time, and there is an angle to preach it from, but he's behind 11 other ones. He's behind 22 teams plus his own. He's behind 24 oxen walking through fresh plowed dirt. There's a dust cloud. He's breathing it. He don't have a modern-day respirator. He's dealing with it. He's bringing up the rear, if you will. It's a bad place to be, but the fact is, although it was a bad place, it was a trusted place. Everybody in the middle had a standard over here and a standard over here but the first guy's got to set it his name was Jesus Christ and he handed it to the apostle Peter and this last generation we got to make sure we're snuggled right up against a straight line till it's over Somebody hear me. What Elijah did not realize is that you walked up on a man that knows how to finish the game. He's a closer. He's going to get the last three outs. He's going to settle this thing. He's not going to give up the game. Drop it on him. 
Well, I'm mad because I'm last. They looked over me. They didn't let me be first. No, but they let you be important. Elijah's a little bothered because Elisha says, I'm going to go kiss my mother and my father. And he did more than that. So I know Elijah's sitting there. He's already showed us he's impatient to a point of death. He doesn't see the need in going on in life any longer. He's done. He's, he, he's just settled. He just, he's tapped out. I'm, I'm, I'm done. And now he comes and drops the garment on Elisha. And Elisha says, oh man, I've been praying for this moment. When I saw you coming, I knew. I'm going to go kiss mom and dad and I'll be right back. Well, folks, it didn't happen that way. Elijah parked out right there and camped out somewhere around the edge of the farm. And he, he apparently is thinking that Elisha is going to go hug and kiss mama and daddy and say, hey, I'm fixing to follow my calling. I don't know that I'll ever be back. And if it is, it's going to be a while. Uh, it didn't even happen like that. Elisha goes and apparently kisses his mother and his father. But he, he goes and gets his oxen. He cuts their throat while they're standing. They bleed out. And he takes a saw and he cuts the yoke off of them. And builds it up in a nice Boy Scout top fire. And puts a match to it. And when it goes up, he, he puts in a big pot of meat and flesh and, and it starts to boil. And he serves all the people the thing that was making him a living. He said, hey, I want everybody to be blessed by what I've been doing. Well, you're not going to come back. I'll never be behind those oxen again. We're fixing to eat them. Well, what about that? What about that yoke? I made that yoke. That's my yoke. I put that yoke on them. I'm never planning again on fleshly holding down last place. I'm going to burn it and use it for the mill. Watch. So he follows God's plan. And Elijah is just taken up. He's just taken up. But here's what happens. Before he goes, many of you know the story. You've read it time and time again. You quote a lot of it, but somebody needs to hear it right now and someone doesn't know it. Elijah asks Elijah a question right here. And listen closely to this. And it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon thee. Hey, watch this. I like him. I like him. He wasn't a perfect man, but I like it because he said, hey, I've been watching you and, you, and you've already had 13 great miracles. The 14th one's going is fixing to happen when he goes into heaven. He said, you've already had 13 great miracles, and the Lord God is going to give me, and here's my request, I want double what you had. You know what? I don't want to just keep pace with the last generation. And I hope the next generation don't want to just keep pace with me. Someday I hope whoever it is that stands behind the pulpit, if time stands, and I've gone on to retirement or to the grave, that the, that the Lord says, you don't want just what that old man had. You want twice what he ever had. Not degrading what Elijah had. But there's somebody in town that said, if God can do 13 miracles, he can do 26 miracles. See, at that time, he only knows of 13. Uh, oh, watch it. And he said, thou hast asked a hard thing. You know, it's hard to pass off everything you've worked so hard for to the next generation. When they're claiming in front of you, they're going to make it better. That's tough. And he said, thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me, when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. And it came to pass as they still went on and talked that, Behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder. 
pull them apart. And Elijah went up by whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it. Remember, he said, if you're there to see it. And he cried, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and rent them in two pieces. So here's what it is. He realizes, I asked him if if I was with him. You know, he said if I was with him, rather, that it would happen. But I wasn't expecting it to be today. I thought we had another lunch. I thought we had another dinner. I thought we had another visit. And it upsets Elisha so bad that there in the field, he rips his clothes off and says, Oh, God, why? It was your request. You requested that if you'd be there when the Lord took him away, you'd have double. Double the anointing, double the authority, a double portion of God. Watch. He rent his own clothes in two pieces. He took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. Watch this. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? Watch. Elijah's not happy right here, folks. He's just lost his mentor. But the, one, of the, one of the first miracles that he knows about already is Elijah stroked the waters with the mantle. Here he is. He's still in a, in a moment of panic. He's like, oh no, God, what's going on? And so he runs straight to the water. And here's what he does. He took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the water and said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also, also because Elijah had done it, had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither and Elisha went over. Here's the deal, folks. God has a plan. When it looks like it's not working out, the old man was bothered, the young man was bothered. And God said, I've got a plan. Let me be God. My family's falling apart. God has a plan. Things are not right. God has a plan. Bankruptcy is upon us. God has a plan. My credit cards. God has a plan. My health. God has a plan. My son, my daughter, my husband, my wife, my addiction, my future, my education. I don't see anything in it. God still has a plan. If you do what you told him you would do, he will do what he told you he would do. Sister Beckham, just play when you're ready, but I'm not going to make the time tonight. But I do want you to play. I like it. Watch this. The miracles of Elisha, I'll go quick. Pardon the Jordan right off the bat, just right after the ascension. Parts the Jordan. You go look, you'll find all of these from 2 Kings through uh, the 7th chapter of Kings. So you can go read them and find them. He parted the waters of Jordan. He healed the sick waters. He cursed the she-bears. He, uh, the filling of the, uh, the valley with water. He spoke that. It happened. The deception of the Moabites in the valley of blood. He spoke that. The miracle of the vessel of all. He spoke that. A very similar miracle to Elijah. The prophecy that the Shunammite woman would have a son. The resurrection of the Shunammite son. The healing of the gourds. The miracle of the bread. The healing of Naaman. The perception of Gehazi's transgression. The cursing of Gehazi with leprosy. The floating of the axe head, the prophecy of the Syrian battle plans, the vision of the chariots, smiting the Syrian army with blindness, restoring the sight of the Syrian army, the prophecy of the end of the great famine, the prophecy of the scoffing nobleman, they would see it but not partake, and it happened in 2 Kings 7 and 2, the deception of the Syrians with the sound of chariots, the prophecy of seven years of famine, the prophecy of Benadad's untimely death, the prophecy of Hazael's cruel to Israel, the prophecy that Jehu would smite the house of Ahab, the prophecy that Joash would smite the Syrians at Aphek, the prophecy that Joash would smite Syria three times but not consume it. 27 miracles. He spoke them. He, he, he dropped the mantle. And just let me make a correction earlier when I went off on a preaching point. That was Elisha that raised that son from, from the pasture. That first resurrection was not that one. 
I got to preaching there and I, I, I shared this next guy's story with you. So go back and scrub that and fix it in your mind. This is the guy. Watch. That's, that's the first mistake I made in the last minute. Watch this. 27 miracles. Remember, he had only witnessed 13. So 27 is more than double. But then, the way Elijah ascends into heaven, there's a 14th miracle. Elisha's getting old. Now, the song says he's got snow on the rooftop. He's about to age out. And he's looking. God, you have never failed me. I've been counting them every single time. You've done something incredible. I've watched what your goodness can do. I've watched your word. I've watched your people. I've watched your spirit work on both friend and foe. Something is going on. I know my time is coming. I'm about to draw my last breath. And I'm a miracle short of your promise. Sometimes hell can even sneak in on you when you've had a lot of good things happen but not the one thing you were looking for. 27 miracles was incredible. Incredible. Brother Jim Beckham, he, he wasn't looking for 27. He's looking for God to be right every time. Never miss it. But he dies. He dies never getting to see A double portion. I wonder how many times he sat there and recounted how much of his time, how much of his money, how much of his effort, how much he had given to God. And he had got, he had got everything except the one thing he was really looking for. All he asked for, well, it was twice. And the man of God said, you can have it if you're with me. And he was with him. How is it that God can fail? Because God has a plan that transcends our calendar and our time. If he promised you your children are going to be saved, don't go to your grave cursing God. You go to your grave thanking him that it's going to happen. Watch this, 27 notable miracles. I've got to think that Elisha is trying to figure it all out. He's, he's adding it up. He's trying to do it, 2 Kings 13 and 20. And Elisha died, never having a double portion. Elisha died, and they buried him. They buried him. Folks, heaven didn't open up, and horses and chariots of fire swooped down and pick Elisha up. He died and was buried in the ground. It's not a whole lot like Elijah's ending. Elisha died and they buried him. It was during a war or a skirmish when this happened. And the bands of the Moabites, the enemies, invaded the land at the coming end of that year so our January the 1st they said okay here's what we're going to do come January we're taking it to those children of Jehovah we're going to destroy them all and they put together a big whatever it is summer spring winter fall offensive whatever they got ready the calendar flipped and the Moabites attacked and they invaded the land it came to pass as they were Burying a man. They lost a man in battle, the children of God. That behold, they spied a band of men. And they cast the man into the sepulchre of Elisha. Watch this. Their buddy got shot with an arrow. And so they carried him down to the cemetery. And they said, oh my goodness. Here come some bad guys. Just chunk him in any tomb. I don't care. I'm not dying for this guy. He's already dead. And they just tossed this guy into a grave that apparently had a little depression. Sometimes there's a miracle in a depression. Woo! Listen to this right here. Hey, oh, Elisha just, uh, he's laying there trying to sleep sound in his death. He's died, maybe aggravated at God. 
And all of a sudden, one of these soldiers of God is tossed over into his grave. And the moment he landed on top of Elisha, Elisha's bones came together and he stood up alive. The 28th miracle with God saying, if I made you a promise, death can't take it. Time can't take it. Your financial situation can't take it. Your family situation can't take it. I'll cause the dead to raise before I'm wrong. Somebody ought to just stand up with the rest of these and praise him right now. Somebody ought to get serious right now. Somebody ought to get real. We ought to die with so much Holy Ghost that when the dead man comes in contact with me, life is birthed again. Here's what I'm telling you. I told you we wouldn't preach back to one point except God has a plan. First of all, don't let the spirit of loneliness get a hold of you. Next of all, you make sure you're keeping things straight and God will choose you. Don't kiss the feet of modern society and cause the road to be crooked. Yeah, come on. Don't let them look at the church you leave and say, it's not what my father left. The last thing I want is the next generation to come up and say, boy, if we just had what we had when the bishop was the pastor. I'm going to tell you something. I stand on top of the shoulders of other men. I can name them, starting with my dad. And I could go right down the line of men he stood on. And men they stood on for a few generations. And I could name some of those men right now, three or four generations, I'm certain without question. And I, I don't doubt that one bit. Matter of fact, I embrace that. I love that. I understand. I'm drinking out of, of waters from wells that I did not dig. I understand that. So I don't mean anything negative about this. But I'm going to tell you, I don't want what Paul Hush had. Come on. I don't want what Russell G. had. The Bible said in the last day, the former and the latter rain are going to come together and there's going to be a miracle in the end of time. I hope the next guy don't say, I want what Pastor Rusty had. Don't settle for my ministry. You take it higher and better and stronger. Somebody ought to get out of their pew right now and worship the God that has a plan. Come on, you keep worshiping. You keep worshiping right now. God's going to do something. He's going to do something. He's going to keep his word. Come, come quickly, singers. Come on. The rest of us, let's get in a posture of praise and a posture of worship and defy the odds that hell has brought to my address. I don't want to die without my miracle. If God promised it to you, you'll get to see it. Whether it's on this side of your last breath or on that side, he's not a man that he can lie. Come, come here, Bishop, if you will. Come here, Brother Jarek. Brother David's not in here. But you, you're, you're the next generation. I want you, I want you down here. I want you down here. I'm not, I'm not saying this is a, a minister or a pastor or an evangelist or a prophet. He already preaches the word, does a good job. We're proud of him. He's homegrown. We're happy about this. Let me tell you something. If you ever settle for what he had, you won't have any more than he ever had. If you ever settle for what I have right now, 
then you'll only have what I have right now. But wherever God leads you and whatever ministry, who knows, it might be behind that desk someday. Here's what I'm telling you. You don't just want what your forefathers in God had. You want double or triple or you name your number. I love Tom Fred Tenney. I love his legacy. 25, 30 books written, spoken to our lives many times. Sister Thetis called my wife at one of the most critical moments. Obviously, my, my mother ministered to my wife so many times, but at a very critical moment, something that Sister Thetis didn't even know anything about that was going on, she called my wife and she said, Sister Missy, this is Sister Tenny, and I just want you to know right now, this is your place. This is your time. This is your moment. You question God and you're going to make it I say that to say this I don't want what Tom Fred Tenney had only I want it but I don't want it only but I understand something there's a chance I could be last and it's my responsibility to make sure this row when the reapers come and when the trumpet sounds woo! somebody needs to hear me right now I've heard a lot of people say this generation just a, let me tell you God he said I got 800 I got 800 men over here that that hadn't even seen the current world. You don't even know what you're talking about, Elijah. I've got men that have never bowed a knee. You've just never witnessed it. Don't judge God by what you can't see. He's not bound by time. He's not bound by death. He's not bound by finance. He's not bound by the calendar. He's not bound by right. He's not bound by a doctor's report. If he made you a promise, Now, in closing, and 10 minutes too late, let me say this. I just wonder, I just wonder, what was the first expression on old Elisha when that dead soldier, little Keith, I, I just think about it. He's in that depression, that old grave, and it's just old dried bones and a few rocks kicked over it by now. The years have, have come and gone, and... Ooh, I don't know who them guys are, but we got to get rid of this guy. Boom. And Elisha, at that very moment, the Lord said, You carried my promise of double to the grave. But what you didn't know is I was on the other side of the grave. I'm not bound by your death. I was God before you took your last breath, before you took your first breath, and I'll be God after you take your last breath. Here's a question. Wednesday night, 829, we need to go. What is that thing? What is that situation that has you holed up in your proverbial cave? The place you're trying to escape. The, pla the place that you don't even realize that anybody else around you is having revival. Anybody else has been filled with the Holy Ghost. Anybody else is having the, the, the addictions of nicotine and alcoholism and drug addiction and pornography and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. How, how many of us have allowed ourselves to, to tuck back in a corner and try to protect what little bit of truth we think we've got? And just say, God, I'm so tired of fighting. Nobody lives like this anymore. Nobody is separate and holy and pure and doing the best of their ability to be righteous 
You're kidding me, man. I, I got people all over the world. Go find you somebody to take your place. What you want, I want double. And the Word of God, which at that moment was manifest in the man of God, said, if you're with me when I go, so shall it be done unto you. And in a moment he was frustrated. Oh God, what's going on? What's happened? Why, Lord? Why? And he cries out, the Bible said, Where is the God of Elijah? And he takes the mantle and strikes the water. And God said, Hello. Hello. Here I am. Now you do what you promised you'd do. Never go back to your old life. The miracles cease when you go back to your old life. You stand across the building. I want them to sing. I'm just asking you. Can you bring your challenge to the altar? Can you bring what seems like promises missed to the altar? No, I would rather you not bow tonight. I know that is a posture. But I'd love for you to just walk to the altar and just slip a hand up towards heaven. Let me back up to Sunday now. God, I know I'm common, but I'm available.